Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. For exclusive content from their GA ambassadors and other high-profile contributors, check out news.paddypower.com. I'm not finished yet. It took me a long time to get here. Both players have, have spoken with each other, and, uh, and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other, and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. That these fellas will get such a shit shot next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their asses for 10 years. So there it is, lads. We know all the provincial finalists, Keenan Connan, are here with me. I have to apologise to Cavan fans immediately. 23 points um, they put past Armagh to reach the first uh, Ulster final in 18 years. 11 different scorers, a fantastic performance. And I'm never all that positive about Cavan. I didn't see this game. <laughs> so there's not really too much we can say about this game outside it was a bloody, cla- a proper classic this was. Not, I thought people bullshitted too much about how much of a classic the week before was. I thought it was low on quality the week before. But this was a proper bloody classic and we only get a few highlights of it. So that's really, really disappointing. So we, we're only going to focus on Donegal, Tyrone in part two because that's the game we all saw and we can analyse that. But I saw some comments from Mickey Graham after the match and I, I liked them. I'm just thinking this was his kind of dressing room speech before the game or whatever he says you have an opportunity now if you don't go in and put a performance in today there are no excuses you get two cracks at it how many cracks do you want he said and that's the way we approached it do you know what I mean how many cracks do you want and that kind of nearly sums up Kevin in the last 18 years when do you want to do this since these under 21s and all this kind of talk are you going to make the step up or not now the proof will be in the pu- the real proof will be in the pudding against Donegal but like I mean so far 23 points to put up against a decent team like Armagh and beating Monaghan let's start the show with Cavan because we're not we can't <laughs> analyse them when they play well Yeah look it's, it's a fantastic uh, achievement for them again to get there it's I suppose on the on their underage successes and whatnot, it's something that we've all kind of been expecting when will they kick on and, and that's why it's a it's uh, it's great that Mickey Graham was able to tap into that, and it's, it's interesting to hear that sort of stuff. And I suppose something similar I can relate to in my time playing with Mead was when 
Bob O'Malley was involved with us and he was kind of saying before we played Dublin in 2010 in the Leinster semi-final or whatever it was it was like lads you know when are you going to get impatient when are you fed up so it was impatience was the word he was on about right and and that was the day we went out and got the five goals against him. So it was kind of the thing of, when are you just going to get fed up of losing to, to yeah. Dublin? Or, you know, because it can't go on forever. You know, stop being patient. Stop waiting for this thing to happen and just go out and make it happen. And sometimes a little thing like that before a game can just... Because I remember Stephen Bray afterwards saying to me, God, I could hear that in my head every time I was just thinking impatience, impatience. So it was just interesting. It's a fantastic of psychology, though, yeah. isn't it? That's a psychological ultimatum, pretty much. Like, I mean, are you just going to let this go on any longer... And if you are, what are you about? You know what I mean? Like, I mean, what do you do in that situation? Like, I mean, as a bloody player, do you want to be seen by your new manager as, like, what are we about here, you know? Are you going to stand up and be counted for? Keen Mackey's on the bloody bench. Like, you know, we can bring him on at any stage. But you could hear it in Mickey Graham's voice, I thought, as well, even afterwards. I, I was thinking the exact same thing about the changing rooms. Like, I bet he is a good man to have before a game in the changing rooms because he just spoke with such passion and it was raw and it, you know there was no bullshit about it yeah. or anything it was just coming straight from a cavern man who yeah. wants to see no, like like he, he's not he's not using the this kind of faux psychology no. words or no he means that, it that players players kind of listen to a lot of this stuff and they, uh, people don't really enjoy listening to that it's a different kind of a thing so when someone can just speak more from the heart with mm. passion but can can have those little I suppose psychological triggers for players just embedded into it that's the most I mean that's where the, the sports psychology is really at its absolute best yeah for and it's like, almost unintentional it's exactly, not it's like yeah. it's, that's like the great managers down through the years were always great sports psychologists absolutely, because they could yeah. they could tap into things um, Donegal made a laugh of the odds lads we all tipped uh, Tyrone here last uh, Thursday no point saying otherwise but we all agreed that Donegal were a ridiculous price of 15 to 8 I said it to Joe from Paddy Power and they made a laugh at that because that was a four point hammering we're going to talk about that in part two but a couple of the incidents what was Tiernan McCann doing lads we were joking in the press room yesterday in Croke Park saying that um, one of the lads was saying that he tried to push his gum shields down his throat which was actually attempted murder <laughs> but it's very <laughs> it's very often, very rare you will see a player going for the mouth for obvious reasons that a biting action will actually cut the fingers off yourself so it makes no sense I don't know what he was trying to do was it a gouge went wrong he didn't know where it, where he was in his face but it was unseemly it was I'd like to say out of character for McCann because we we've been involved in controversial incident before but nothing like nothing like this on a different level altogether came across as a really nice fellow when we had him on the show I want to defend him but you don't, you can't defend that why is he putting his fingers around his face yeah well look I don't know the, it goes back maybe maybe if you look at the, the legal thing when it comes to dogs dogs are wild animals they're always capable of doing something like this so uh, to say it's out of character for somebody I mean are you saying it, anyone from Tyrone is capable of doing this <laughs> I'm saying <laughs> yes Wally that's I'm, exactly what I'm saying agree with that <laughs> or, or anyone who's come through the Tyrone underage <laughs> academy is capable it's, of it's, acting it's like, like a dog uh, until, until, <laughs> until you do it for the first time it's always out of character well that's true that's true that's so true. I, I don't buy into that I what do you think he was doing? He was acting, acting despicably and in a cowardly manner when somebody is defenceless on the ground. Yeah. And there's no excusing it. I mean, to me, and I've spoken about this before, if a player is holding on to possession of the ball with two hands, they're wide open. People can do anything they want. You're in a completely defenceless position. These This goes for every facet of play in Gaelic football. And, like, someone can come in and punch, you know, clothesline a fella, punch a lad in the jaw... 
I mean, all of these things are cowardly acts because somebody is completely defenceless. Mm. If you're trying to play football, you should be at all at all times attempting to play within the rules of the game. I mean, there's ways to foul players without, I mean, harming them in in a malicious manner and things like that. But when somebody is lying on the ground, these things of lads going down with their knees, all this sort of stuff. I mean, pulling at a guy's mouth, eyes, face when he when he's totally defenceless and you're standing over him. Yeah. And then to rake your foot across his head. I mean look I thought that was a bit that was unintentional I thought. But I'd a bit I'd have bitten the finger off him. Like, would you not know? That's because you're a wild dog. <laughs> <laughs> but like that's what he deserved. Would you not bite down probably would have bitten down, yeah. Like I, I thought maybe it was he trying to take it out or, but like uh, that would be sort of I think too kind to him because you could see earlier in that movement, I think it was Hugh McFadden, he was trying to tackle him. McFadden just threw him away. Like, you know, when Tiernan McCann bounced off and you could follow him then the whole way across the pitch. Frustrated. He was actually swung a, he swung a fist it, yeah. at McFadden and tried to tackle somebody else and followed on to McMenamin. Like, yeah, so, yeah, I don't think he was trying to take the gum shield. I don't think he was thinking that way. He was just trying to hurt him in yeah, some way. Yeah, sprawl at him or yeah, whatever, he was yeah. Just, he yeah. just seemed to have uh, lost his temper a little bit and was... He'd lost his mind a little bit. He had a little bit. He had a little bit. But he, 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 he faces a fairly hefty ban for that, I would say. Could be in trouble for that, yeah. yeah. He didn't get any uh, cards for it. The referee didn't deal no. with it, so then he will be in trouble, yeah. Peter Hart, black lads, what do you think of this? I don't think it was a black card because I think he tried to shoulder him and he led with his foot. I don't think he, I don't think he attempted to trip him under any circumstances. I think he went attempted to hit him and led with his foot. I'm not sure that's a black card, lads, at that stage of he, the game. He tripped him with his foot, which is can't be denied. Um, but he then, went in with his hip no, as well, didn't he? Well, he led, he led with his foot. Led with his foot. I mean, yeah. let's face it, he led with his foot. He tripped uh, Ryan McHugh running across. The referee has to decide whether he deliberately foot tripped him or not. How can the referee decide whether he, like this is wasn't an innocuous tackle where he's running back across him? McHugh is running across in front of him. He cannot possibly make contact with him in the manner he's trying to do it. And that's obvious. Peter Hart, no, I've been in these situations myself, he led with the foot because he was trying to make contact any way that he could. It's an unnatural movement to do what he did if you're trying to, if you're trying to make that kind of a tackle. In my view, I think, yeah, early on in a game, it, it's very harsh because I suppose the reality is it's not why the black card was, yeah, was brought in. Cynical. It wasn't a cynical uh, pull down close to goal or anything of that manner. It wasn't late in the game where he just wanted to make a foul. It was an awkward tackle and from Peter Hart's perspective, I'd say he kind of, after it happened, he was like, I'd say he would have thought in his own head, oh, that was a bit silly. Um, But it was harsh for the referee to give the black card in the position, but I can still, I can understand why the referee did because it's it's an obvious foot trip. Now, it's just harsh. Like we can all put ourselves in the position and say because it ruins the well, game. And you see sho- Peter Hart gone off. When the you're pa- going to shoulder someone, do you not have to step towards him to do it? Now Ryan McHugh is so elusive that he can ride that the shoulder part of it. But, you well, know he, what I mean? like, but think about it. He was he was he was at an angle to him. He was like Peter Hart was face on to McHugh's shoulder. He cannot. He can't really make a shoulder challenge in that in that particular scenario. The only way he can do it is get try and get a hand across in front of him or run along with him. At worst, you could say it was a lazy tackle from Peter Hart because he wasn't in a position to tackle him properly, so he threw his leg in front rather than actually trying to run along with McHugh and get a tackle on him. Yeah. He was just trying to make trying to get a contact. hit on him. Yeah, he was trying to, to make contact, and he led with the leg. Yeah, um, because that was the only way he could make contact with him in that position. If he had just moved forward in a normal manner in a running stride, he would have only been able to maybe get a hand on him, and that was it. And he wanted to get a belt yeah. on him. So. 
I thought Goff had clumsy. a good game, but like I mean, I wouldn't have given a black there. But like in fairness, yeah. Goff did all right in general. Like he didn't make it all about himself or anything like that. I like the way Sean Patton did the contact lens trick on seventy three <laughs> minutes when Tyrone were just finally getting around. There's nothing really anyone can do in that. He has contacts. He's he's. I don't believe him for a second that his contact came out. Brian Carroll talks about the contact lens trick. I hadn't. We we obviously were a bit too naive in leash. Like I, I've often gone down faking an injury, but you can't. Like a referee can tell you then to get up, but with a contact lens, you have to stop the game for the contact lens. It's the brilliance of the contact yeah. lens trick. Were you aware of the contact no, lens trick? I wasn't, or? but I think it's just a goalkeeper thing. Goalkeepers can lie down with, uh, at yeah. any scenario, whatever, and the referee can't play on because there's no one to take the kick out. <laughs> I'm looking forward to the first time a, ref, a goalkeeper goes down and the referee says someone else needs to take the kick out or I'm throwing the ball up. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is the goalie thing. Kieran Thompson was flown. Um, home for flowing back down to the match for his brother's wedding he didn't start the game he came on obviously when Jason McGee um, had to go off I think Langan went midfield we'll talk about that in in part two what kind of a brother are you if you're getting married in the middle of June and your brother's a county player like come on talk about selfish I thought you were going to say what kind of brother are you leaving your brother's wedding ah come on what weddings ah they're overrated really aren't they this is this is Ulster Championship against her own your brother's getting married well Keen, you've gotten recently married right would you have stood for that he went in the middle of summer too which is <laughs> I went in the middle wait. of summer because I was finished playing inter-county football <laughs> that's true yeah but he had to break it I says Keen, what's the meaning of this this is the middle of the championship and you're now going on honeymoon in my busiest time yeah. GGR I was told where to go <laughs> <laughs> ok right we have to move on to Dublin because Dublin versus the spread is just the greatest Leinster championship of all time so they beat the spread by a point so I was watching this and um, and just looking at it and the whole way through it I'm thinking the spread the spread and it's amazing how they close in on the spread so at half time you think Kildare are going to beat the spread there's four points in it Kildare have come back really well into it and then all of a sudden they, they move it out from four and then it's six, seven and now it's eight on 50 minutes and there's only 20 minutes left and they only have to get six points and you know if they get a goal in that end they're halfway there and you're just wondering like it's just so easy for them they ended up beating them by 15 and it's just over the, it's over the course of the game they win every quarter by three or four points you know what I mean they're beating the spread yeah, they're, they're unbelievably consistent over the 70 minutes that's, yeah. the, that's the thing that gets you every time and they're relentless right, yeah. you know that last 20 minutes they're in big Claire's in big trouble because psychologically they're gone they're the gone. game's over they drop off they drop tired, off yeah. Dublin sense blood and they all have to they all have to impress Jim no matter what stage of the game and that's how they just wipe teams out. Yeah. It's unreal to watch. You've managed to make the Leicester Championship sound really exciting now by introducing versus the, the spread. spread. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. let's just do it versus the spread. So they've, be- they've beaten the spread in both games. We stupidly back loud plus the 17. So if, uh, versus the spread, who are, who are the current Leinster champions then if it's not that? <laughs> we the must Dublin look back. Yeah, no, yeah. I, don't think, I don't think any of the teams beat the spread last year against them. Leash in the final didn't. Um, Longford they destroyed Longford sure McGivney got sent off that was last year wasn't it yeah. I'm fairly sure I think they beat the spread lads and oh, by, and was 30 points well, it's so, they're so close to the spread this is why Dublin versus the spread would like jeez we could pack out Croker <laughs> <laughs> they should have it up on the big screen just so people know how close they are to what, what did you make Keen? you were in Croker the same as myself yesterday what did you make of the Cluxton tribute just before half time Kieran Whelan turned to me and says Jim Gavin will be livid over something like that now and I can understand before, this was in the warm up before the game, I thought it was absolutely outrageous. Yeah, outrageous. I, cu- I could not believe it um, when it started. And 
not only did it start playing, it played for about five minutes. Yeah, it wasn't even a cust- you know an announced and congratulations to T- Stephen Cluxton with a milestone or a, a presentation yeah. on the pitch or something that you might see. But they played a bloody video montage for five minutes, yeah. which as me- he's warm as he's in the goals <laughs> warming up in front of the hill, like was, it's distracting. It's I was, I was laughing my head off. I was like, "There's Cluxton there. He's just." ignoring all of this I would have stood over in front of the screen watched the whole thing and then turned around and gave the crowd you, the could, clap, you, you could know? have sat down on the ground and faced the TV yeah, or something yeah. um, oh god I, look deeply uncomfortable uh, viewing not only for Cluxton but I think for any neutral observer I thought it was outrageous yeah. and it, it just it's another example when you're talking about the Leinster Championship and the mockery that it is at the minute it does not sit well with me and it certainly would not sit well with anybody outside of Dublin that sort of stuff No, because it's outrageous and it's look maybe there's a reason it hasn't happened before because there's not too many people get to that stage but it's bizarre in a in a, a neutral venue yeah. supposedly yeah. A, a semi-final competition and you have a video montage playing of a of a an opposing player yeah. right before the game is about to start to me it's completely bizarre I think it was I don't think it should have happened. That's a thing for Dublin GAA to yeah. do, not for Leinster Council. Yeah, and certainly not in a, in a semi-final of what is supposed to be a prestigious competition. Yeah, I completely agree. Like, I mean, there's nothing wrong with something coming up on the big screen after the game. And congratulations, not a video now. Like a, a even, just even a, before a the game, to just to, just to mention to, it, to as, note it as a because nobody yeah. nobody's saying that you shouldn't note it. Note Absolutely it. But not. this big montage, that's bullshit. At a neutral venue in Crow Park, where all teams are supposed to be treated equally, where does that stop then? Like, I mean, what does the, somebody's fiftieth get a montage? Like, I mean, like yeah. what, teams. That's a neutral venue. You don't. That is a Dublin GEA thing. It's, that's not, Dublin GEA should be tweeting that montage out on Twitter. And, you know, marking well, that just occasion. To, just to give a, a counterpoint on it, like there were a number of players uh, for me that made 50 championship appearances and they were honoured at the senior county final at half time on the day where they're brought onto the pitch and they're introduced to the crowd and they're given they're given a, a trophy or whatever. Like that's that's the place for it. Yeah. Not not It's not Leinster Council's no. job to do that. Certainly not in, in that sort of a scenario. I, I just... I was laughing my head off. I thought it was absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, like. And yeah. it, it just is, what it does is, it's a, it, it, it turns the narrative very much to a, to a Dublin versus the rest thing in terms of the, how people feel about that outside of Dublin. And that's just the reality. And they can't, the, 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 the organising body cannot be seen to be in that position. They're, they have to be impartial. And it's fairly, it seems to me, and a lot of people would probably agree with me, except if they're from Dublin, of course, that that impartiality is completely gone yeah. and has been for a large number of years. And it, it, the, the Leinster Championship is now the mockery that it is, unfortunately for all concerned. Yeah, so it's, it seems a bit pandering to the Dublin fans that they know they're going to be mostly in Crow Park, mostly yeah. the Dublin fans. So that seems to be what it was for. And like as you said, a county final, or if Dublin had an actual home game at Parnell Park, then you go nuts, like yeah. you know, make yeah. it intimidating or celebrate your own player. But yeah, the fact that it was a neutral venue and it's a semi final. Three other teams there watching that. Like it's just it's it's wrong, but it's not it's wrong, but oh, it's not surprising. But it's it's not, not surprising at all. Based but like on this, the this is not in any way an anti Stephen Cluxton thing. I yeah, mean, Stephen, this, now, you shouldn't have to qualify yeah, that, but you do. Yeah. He's a great player. Yeah, Stephen yeah. You Stephen have Cluxton to qualify is really that. good at football. Yeah, yeah I just you want to clarify have. that. Point. <laughs> so Kildare played well. That's the sad, sad state of affairs. Like I was impressed with Kildare and a lot of the a lot of their play. Uh, ben McCormick was excellent. Adam Terrell was excellent. Feely 
he was going in full forward was a bit confused it wasn't used very much like he was outside for the kickouts on Fenton then he'd go in the full forward line and Conway would pick up Fenton in general play and then Brian Howard was following Feely in when Feely go in full forward but they never used Feely in full forward so it was a weird one Keane wasn't it but in general Kildare and I've been on record for saying this I don't want to be too down on Mead we'll speak about them now um, next I think Kildare are a much better team than Mead on the evidence of, of yesterday yeah, well, look, and that's not even with their full team <coughs> exactly well look time will tell but I think Kildare yesterday tried like they were trying a number of different things to try and hurt Dublin um, the Feely thing drifting in late like I can you can see the validity yeah. of it as a tactic yeah. but unfortunately the players at the field either couldn't get up far enough early enough to deliver to that ball it. in or they just weren't getting their head up you could see they um, didn't use them at all they didn't really. use them at all with any sort of quality delivery really I mean there was one that they picked out in the Sunday game last night but that was one kick from the half back line but I think by David Highland which Highland, dropped yeah. a bit f- into yard short I yeah. mean that wasn't one where it was even on so um, and the thing is he, he's a dangerous he'd be a threat in there Ben McCormack was probably Kallaire's he was most dangerous player he's, look I've seen him a few times I always thought he was really really good he's just been cursed with injury but he's an absolute handful power pace um, but there's not too many teams have a forward as good as him and that's the reality and it, t- it took a forward of that calibre you know working off limited supply and kicking fantastic scores from distance off left and right yeah. to even keep Kildare in the game they weren't able to get any sort of territory in the way that Dublin were in terms of where they were taking their shots from I mean some of the scores Kildare got yesterday were just fantastic long distance points they had to be they were brilliant scores but unfortunately for them Dublin are just an awesome animal and you just they couldn't get enough territory they couldn't get enough possession Dublin aggressively really pressed up on their kickouts with with uh, McCarthy and Jack McCaffrey playing on the attacking side of midfield for the kickouts, n- trusting their midfielders to break the ball forward. Yeah. So you had David Slattery wing forward marking Jack McCaffrey, and he's trying to get beyond midfield into his natural position. And Jack McCaffrey's just not bothered following him. Jack McCaffrey stands the other side, and they're both playing the game of almost cheating, saying, "Well, if we if if my team win it." McCaffrey's thinking if, if if Fenton knocks this forward I'm on it and I'm through I've an overlap Slattery's thinking if my men can flick it on I'm gone in behind but it was always the Dublin men yeah. knocking it back McCaffrey caused all sorts of problems and Fenton broke brilliant ball like I mean he wasn't trying to fetch yesterday but he was breaking and they're always they under the really break really aggressive yeah. like, and, and the, the thing that Dublin do probably it's it's base, like Dublin do all the basics just so much better than everybody else and with a greater sense of urgency and purpose like when a kick out is is being kicked like Dublin go very zonal on, on the on the opposition's kick out so they all have their little pockets of space and as an example say Kieran Kilkenny was playing he was in the left half uh, forward position on one of the kick outs so he stood in between the corner back and the wing back but once the so that he could cover both if he could cover the corner back short he was, didn't want it to go short so he was making sure that wanted to be kicked long as soon as it was kicked long he was out in front of the wing back for the break because he was just coming as soon as it, as soon as it left uh, the tee from the keeper's kick he was on the move early the, and the, Dublin were swarming where, where the ball was going to drop and that's what they do more effectively yeah. than most teams most teams get in a position where it's kicked out and they're kind of half watching and they're standing underneath in a static position whereas Dublin players are moving moving with energy and a purpose so that even if they don't win it they have two or three men hunting the ball very good carrier. at getting breaks they they're can, very good at getting breaks yeah they're really good at getting breaks they can get get the turnover straight away or they can stop they can stop a potential counter attack with a foul yeah you know so, so they, they they really keep you pressed in very hard and that's one thing that Look, I'd be. That's the the biggest area that I would be really concerned with for Mead is that Mead won't be able to get enough possession in in that middle third to 
cause Dublin any problems. Yeah, I don't think Meath, Meath, like, I mean, that's versus the spread as well. I, one thing I noticed about Dublin I thought was interesting, and maybe it's a basketball thing, is John Small made this burst forward at one stage. He didn't get the ball. He continued on his run and arced it around by the sideline and got the hell out of there. Watch Jack McCaffrey when he bursts forward and he doesn't get the ball. They don't just stand around and clog up that space. Mm. They get the hell out of there. And then maybe that is a basketball thing that that scoring zone where they love to score from is being kept yeah. kind of open. You would hear that a lot in the, in the club championship. Like any team's playing, just finish your run, finish your run. So even if you're a cornerback and we don't like a cornerback going forward, but you hear the manager shouting, finish your run, they'll take the, the man with them the whole way to the corner and it's just creating space for somebody else. And everybody has that idea if I move, somebody else might be free. Right. Or if I move, I might eventually get free somewhere else and you know, pop up on another side of the pitch or something. Yeah, no, it definitely makes sense. And when seeing it happen uh, definitely was pretty good as well. Keen O'Neill said after the match, and I, I think he was right on this occasion, he's talking about a big deal being made about him saying we're going up to beat Dublin or we're going to beat Dublin or something like that and like, what the hell is a manager going to say and he said it was sly I, it w- there was a piece by Frank Roach in The Independent I was reading last I think Thursday or Friday and I was just thinking geez, there's no real need for that like I mean he can't say we're going up and it's versus the spread like all of us like I mean every leash game I ever played even though we could be unbelievable underdogs I believed that we could win and I would tell anyone yeah we're going to win I remember telling fellas who would be texting me asking me about betting on leash are we going to win and I'd say yes and then they're losing and I'm like oh Jesus maybe I should but you can't ever think that you're not going to win or you're wasting your time but anyways this was picked up anyways that he said we are going to beat Dublin he said it was sly, it was devious and I suppose there was an element of instant gratification to try and get a headline and I'm sure it did. But you know, what do you do? It's moving away from the game here but I was, but I was very disappointed with that because I often hear time and again about the media and how they struggle with access for managers or players. I think it's a perfect example of why that access has been withdrawn and pulled back over the years and I think he's right. Because yeah, if you're, I, I'd if agree a, with that, he's 100% it, right 100%, there. If, if you're saying as a manager that you're going to beat whoever it is you can't be that can't be criticised for that that's a bit of confidence and that's what your players might want to hear and that's should never be used as a stick to beat a manager with No well particularly when you think of the Kildare's position going into the game in a couple of weeks they had a bit of a rocky patch and you know they, they've taken a couple of trimmings from Dublin in the past I mean if the manager is, is behaving in a manner that's fearful or playing it down oh well we'll go up and see how we get on or we'll we'll try and keep the score down I mean what what sort of a manager would be saying that? Like, yeah. if you were a player, you'd be like, what? why are you talking like yeah. that about us? You know, are we that bad? And all of a sudden, it seeps through the whole thing. So, look, I think uh, I think it's a bit unfair because, again, it's it, it's also when, when something like that is, we're going up to beat Dublin. I mean, that can be, t- that can be when that's written down, it sounds different than the tone in which somebody might say it. Like, somebody could say, well, that's what we're, point going, he made. We're, going, we're going to beat Dublin. As in, our intention is to go up and try and beat Dublin. Not, we are going to beat Dublin. Yeah. In, yeah. in its yeah. literal even form. Even if he says, we're going to beat Dublin, sure, he has to think that too. Like, I wouldn't even say that was the worst crime in the world, even if he had said that, but I take your point. Far you know, from far it. Far from it. Yeah. Like, we want more of that from players. And like, I mean, I, it annoys me to think that if we start having players being honest or a little bit cocky or we want characters in the game, then we're going to make a big deal out of what they say and read too much into it and then have them all terrified to say anything yeah. at all. But anyways, we're going to move on to this Leash game. We've one or two more talking points here before we get into part two. Leash was a very weird game. Me didn't impress me at all. Leash dominated the game possession-wise for 50 minutes. Couldn't score. I think they had five points from 14 attempts at one point in the first half. They, they owned the ball, which was really uh, weird. Had no cutting edge up front. Not starting Donny Kingston was criminal. He's our only Division One level player. 
John O'Loughlin maybe you'd say now but he's pushing on a little bit Donny is a Division 1 player who would make I think any team in the country and we had him on the bench think about that we had him on the bench that makes no sense and he completely changed Leash's way of playing Paul Kingston was playing the link man on the half forward line in the first half there was two inside Murphy and Evan O'Carroll Evan O'Carroll didn't play well but I wouldn't have taken him off but Paul Kingston was running that line and we talk about that link man all the time Keane he was running that 40 over and back over and back and not once was he picked out. Like, what were the tactics? If, if he's running that line and he's there as a link man, the amount of times wing backs got it, wing forwards who were dropping back got it, and they didn't give it to Kingston to set it up. So they throw it back, metre back, set back in a defensive uh, position. Metre giving you one-on-ones, but they're, they're not an overly defensive team by any means. Both teams were set up for a really good game. But because of the quality of the players on the field they weren't able to make the most out of it would that be fair Keane? Yeah no it's, it's, a, it's, a, yeah, it's very fair actually uh, um, I think Leash for the first 10 minutes were, were very dominant and um, in terms of uh, the possession stakes and they had the territory uh, a lot of ball around the middle third of the field you know Leash going kind of sideways and backwards Because they were so slow with it you see they wouldn't yeah. get it through, King, they, through Paul Kingston Yeah they, they never moved it with the foot from their half back no. and that that caused them a bit of a problem I think uh, the centre forward for Leash sorry whose name escapes me the Port Leash man is Connor Boyle, Boyle Connor didn't Boyle, play well no. Connor Boyle didn't have a good game but you could see that he was trying to get on it sort of in the, in the very middle of the field and looking to deliver with his left foot and he played in some nice ball Evan O'Carroll inside actually was caught. he was winning a lot of ball and he had he kicked four wides uh, from play in the first ten minutes and on another day I mean they weren't they weren't easy chances by any means and he missed a free I mean Evan O'Carroll could have had five points in the first before he was taken off yeah I I thought it was a surprising decision to take him off because he's been their main man all year and in my mind he was doing an awful lot of things really well I mean would you would if you were a manager looking at that would you prefer a player who didn't get his hands on the ball yeah because he's not hiding he's, he's not yeah. doing anything wrong like Evan O'Carroll was showing hard even after he missed a couple of chances he was still showing hard for it and I think if you had Murphy Evan O'Carroll and the two Kingstons like that's four really good forwards that are an absolute handful physically big quick because Murphy Murphy was winning his fair share of ball Evan O'Carroll was winning ball uh, Paul Kingston caused problems when he got on it and when Donny came on he just had that added bit of class, class. he was a, a level class. above everyone else uh, on the he, leash he, forward he line. really was and he's a joy to watch um, he kicked a couple of great scores clipped his freeze and he was probing for the kind of the dangerous pass. Yeah. When he was getting on, he, he picked out his brother Paul on it with a few lovely passes inside. And that was the only way that Leash were going to be able to hurt Mead was if those four guys were, were on it. And, you know, they kind of robbed themselves of Evan O'Carroll to get Kingston, Kingston on, did, which is see, a surprise did, well, to here, me, well, really. Here, see, here's the, here's the think thought process here. So Donny's not picked because his work rate isn't good enough. Now, which makes no sense to me because he'd be marking McGill who's a traditional fullback, is not going to take off up the field so immediately I don't agree with that straight away you're leaving a division one forward on the bench for no reason the other talk is that Evan O'Carroll is slightly on the lazy side so you can't play the two of them together so the idea is that your two best forwards who you should be basing the team around they're actually thinking these two can't be on the field together again it's absolute silly well, stuff well Donny Kingston played centre forward when he, he was did, on yeah. and, and that's where he stayed for the whole game yeah. and 
the, now Donny would struggle against the half back that's going forward oh, there's yeah, no the, doubt the, about that McGill suited Donny now but I wouldn't be playing Donny in the half forward line anyway his work rate isn't good enough for there but he's absolutely good enough for a full forward line you're not 12 men who can work exactly anyway. like, let someone do the work for the him yeah like I mean it's it's just it's it's really really annoying the penalty was the big one that was the dire defending oh, from Atri Brody wanted to come Brody should have come I think should have but, but Atri looked like he was going to jump for it and then you don't want Brody coming along with him and then Atri pulled out of it Kyogen just caught it yeah. into his chest and then they're five down and that's game over you know yeah the penalty was game over really like I mean Mead looked more dangerous in attack but Leash had more possession in the first half and yeah. look Killian O'Sullivan went on a, went on a blistering run and, and blazed the goal shot kind of narrowly wide when he probably should have done better but Mead were kind of living off scraps and it was James Conlon's kind of sniping clever movement inside and he was getting in some decent delivery cause, because of the fact that there was a bit of space there with Mead hitting on the counter-attack so Mead while not being overly, overly impressive were keeping Leash at bay reasonably comfortably I would have said and the fact that they were just getting those scores on the break just made the game move to a certain place you know at, at half time it could have been a completely different score like. Oh could have been yeah and then uh, I think there might have been four in it I think Murphy hit the crossbar and then Yeah that would have brought it back to a point game Me, actually, got, me yeah. got three in a row then then there's seven then meant to get the goal ten and like how the hell is there ten in this game you know what I mean and then suddenly there isn't this game over for the last 20 minutes then me they're doing what they want really Killian O'Sullivan really came into it then um, Menton coming late like I mean we talked about this against Carlo he's a fecker for it yeah he's got great pace he's very hard to stop when he comes onto it um, and he's, he's, he's timing his runs really well like he's not running into a crowd or having to break tackles he's just coming off the shoulder at great angles at, at, at a good pace and uh, both of his finishes were pretty good the finish for the second goal oh, was wow. a magnificent for finish, a midfielder really, yeah. yeah really really top class right uh, for Mana went an early goal up went four points up you're thinking if you're watching this Jesus for Mana are not going to be beaten here they ended up getting beaten by four it was a late goal that wasn't the goalie's fault by the way who, I don't know who he tried to kick it to that was just standing still waiting for the ball like, I mean, terrible like, you know, go yeah. to the ball Come, it wasn't go, it's not like you know these balls if you run to it it's going over your head it's not he actually could have run to it he just stood there but anyways that was, that was a, anyone that was on the Fermanagh plus four handicap would have been livid with this, <laughs> with this fella but the Conal Jones dive for the penalty was outrageous lads so there's so much happening around that penalty uh, uh, Vinnie Corey barely touched him he just flew over like you'd be very surprised it was actually Colin Murphy dived twice in Croke Park yesterday got, got a free on the second dive when it was worse than the first dive but anyways I think diving is coming in I've mentioned before Ryan McHugh he's incredible for simulation as you lay a hand on that fella and he's gone flying I don't like it it's come into his game the last couple of years and I've pointed it out before but watch him he's constantly accentuating contact it's coming into the game big time it's only a matter of the time before we start talking about contact and all this I hope it doesn't happen but it came into soccer and soccer was a manly game at one time and now it's a joke and I'm hoping it's not because Conal Jones just was in the box came running towards and knew someone was behind him and threw himself forward anyways Began saves the penalty and then comes rushing out and lamps Sean Quigley what, I wonder what Sean Quigley was saying to him Sean Quigley I always thought was a happy-go-lucky sort of a fella but Began is a, is a gent he's not into that stuff and he came out and lamped Quigley what was said there I don't know 
Mickey Newman scored an unbelievable penalty to to beat Graham Brody because I'd always fancy Brody yeah, to save was, the penalties. Really well struck, it was yeah. as good a penalty as you'd ever see into the side then. He came out and gave one of the lethal lads a shot after oh, scoring the penalty. That's that Piggott fella. Sure, Brendan Murphy told us all about him a few years ago. <laughs> was it Piggott? Yeah, was it? We're, we're wise to him. Oh, up in the, well, Piggott, Piggott is into the, into the trash talk as Brendan Murphy correctly pointed out. Uh, hard luck, Brendan, or something. That's what got Brendan Murphy's back up, wasn't it? Or, yeah, sorry, Brendan. That was it. Hashtag, hashtag. Hashtag sorry, was Brendan. It, remember the tweet? It was like this little piggot went to yeah. crew Park or This little like piggot got cleaned or something yeah. it was. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> Anything with a hashtag in it though is serious sledging, Wooly. That can't be tolerated. Yeah, that's sledging, hashtag sledging. Right, last, last story, honestly, before we move on. This is a very long top of the show. Liam Cairns stepped down, right? So I always find it gas. Liam Cairns, an ex-manager of mine. I like Liam. But he was on the Marty squad. I was listening to it driving home. Were you listening to this, Keen? Uh, well, I'll just go, I'll go through a few bullet points from the old Marty squad in a second. But he he um, he talked about the amazing success um, that he had with Tipperary, and that's fair enough. In 2016, they got to the All Ireland semi final. Since then, they've only won two matches. So it's been an absolute nightmare since those highs. To be Cavan in the qualifiers away, which was a good a good win, and the other only other win was Waterford. Like, I mean, they won no games this year. They beat Waterford last year, got hammered by Cork. They got beaten by Cork the year before when they were fancied and then got beaten in the qualifiers by Armagh. Uh, they got beaten in the qualifiers by Mayo. Now, I suppose, putting in decent performances those matches, yeah. but the reality is, since 2016, it hasn't been amazing success. And the reality is, they haven't in any way built on that success, which was a great, a great year and a good win against Galway. Of course, this was unchallenged by Marty, who agreed with uh, Liam that it was amazing. That's <laughs> oh, a good stat that, like you pulled out there because I was instantly thinking, Jesus, Liam Cairns is available. You know, Derry could do a rocket up the verses. Like you know, I was thinking somebody could come in, and I thought generally it had done well because I just thought about losing to Armagh, losing to Mayo, losing to Mayo, and then that game against Down. Good teams, tight performances. They never ever seemed to bow out. Haven't been hammered. You know, and just yeah. sort of, and then got got to Division Two as well, so and got relegated from it. Yeah, I know. I stopped it at Division Two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look at the unfortunately, it's for a weird them. record, really. I wouldn't say it's a, it was it's a decent record, yeah, but, but I wouldn't be saying huge success or anything uh, they're, either. They're, to be fair to to Tipperary, they're working off a very small pool of players in terms of their squad that are capable com- of competing, off, and they've off, had a yeah. lot of injuries in the last couple of seasons. The Quinlevin has had a number of injuries. Yeah, that have I'll kept give you that. I'll give you that. And, and Quinlevin Quinlevin and Belmar, like. Tipperary probably have five or six players that are of the top level. The rest are fillers. And unfortunately, when those top men aren't around, they're a Division 3 team. Yeah. The gas thing is and that... That's, and that's just where they're at. And Down are probably on an upward curve at the minute versus Tipperary, who are... You know, they had they had a lot of their players back yesterday, but they haven't had much football this season, so they couldn't be at their peak level, shall yeah. say. Stephen O'Brien came back after 2016 as well. He wasn't even there, so you thought they might push on. That's the thing. I do accept the injuries. The injuries this year were, were fairly bad, most of them back for the championship, but it's still not good enough that you can't beat Limerick and get them all cleared up and get back and into look, the mix. Sometimes you just wouldn't know. Maybe they were... Maybe they were they overachieved in 2016. Like if you if you if you went back again and reanalyzed all their games, you know were they a dominant force or did they just get goals at crucial stages? Tipperary are a team that have scored a lot of goals with Quinlevin and Sweeney, so they have two excellent forwards that are capable of maybe covering up the deficiencies of the rest of the team. And when both of them aren't there and going well they kind of tend to struggle yeah they, they're backbone by a brilliant under 21 team in 2015 which 
lost to Tyrone, Tyrone by a point and, and that's yeah. and those players are now backboning Tyrone which are operating on a much higher level than Tipperary so for me Tipperary are, should be operating at a higher level than they have been the last two years I think that's a fair you know what I mean especially with the two forwards you mentioned like I do I don't th- I don't think they've, well, they've been too robbed much of, filler they've been robbed of O'Reardon to, to the AFL as well like true he, who's he, a big he would then. be I mean he would be Tipperary's top player by a long way so um Look, it's just they're always kind of up against it there, really, in terms of getting buy-in from players that are 50-50 between hurling and football. And over the last number of years, they've had a lot of injuries. Um, so while while it's been an exciting journey for them in the last couple of seasons, it hasn't been they haven't done as well as I'm sure they would have expected themselves yeah no I would agree with that so anyways the Marty squad was um, interviewed a fella from Ballyfermot who said Dublin were magic right and then uh, said Conor McHugh had a great game this is live on RT radio so they interviewed these random fans and she don't know what they're going to come out with so he got Cottle Ma- or he got Paul Mannion's uh, name wrong I'm thinking of Cottle Mannion on the hurlers um, who was outstanding he thought Conor McHugh was playing I think right? he was wearing 20 Mannion wasn't in the programme so that was, he was wearing number twenty, which I think was Conor McHugh's. That number. was it. See, there you go. Right. So he's looking. So he doesn't know. So then uh, later on the show, Bren, Brenda Donahue uh, interviews a nine-year-old child, and this is an interview that's on the radio. Like they interview just these fans, and I don't understand what's the point of it. Then, I, uh, unbelievably, at the end, you see, I've been listening to this as I'm driving home for the match. It got me the whole way home, but I have to turn it off on three or four occasions and come back to it. It's <laughs> annoying me so much. <laughs> So then at the end, I'm flick, I flick back to it and they're interviewing some woman from New York, right? And I'm like, what's going on here, right? She watched the game on GEA Now. She had a husband in New York, married a New Yorker, which Marty was getting out of her. Two sons, big into the GEA. Now, is your husband into the GEA? Oh, he is, yeah. He's after getting into it now and the two sons now and we're a big Galway fan. I'm wondering why are, why are we talking to this woman and who is she? The reason they were talking to her is because she watched the game on GEA Now. It's like an advertisement for GEA Now. <laughs> who commissioned this advertisement? Is this a GEA ad? Which Marty was in, uh, complicit with on his show. For the last 10 minutes, we spoke to a random woman from New York, from Ireland. And the only reason we were talking to her and finding out about her family is because she watched the game on GEA Now. Slipped it in there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, look, listen, we'll leave it on that one. We'll come back and we'll talk about some serious stuff. Fellas follow me, and not just Cork lads. You know what I mean? Mm. And, uh, it happens. It happens, yeah. and, and it does happen. Yeah. But I'll tell you one thing: it's a lonely spot, and the best thing you can do is keep moving. And I thought Connolly yeah. looked to be trying to do yeah. that the last yeah. time. The camera show doesn't look great. Yeah, there was um, maybe they could say it was theatrical, or whatever. But like the reality is that there was contact, and um, I wasn't trying to win a penalty. I was trying to go out and win the ball. You know, actually, it's funny. Your man Conan, what's your name on, the, on your program, like? I, I was wondering if he had the same match as me. He was kind of making out Terry, but unlucky to lose. Like, let's go. Ten percent luck, twenty percent skill, fifteen percent concentrated power of will, five percent pleasure, fifty percent pain, and a hundred percent reason to remember the Right, so we were saying at the start of the show, lads, this was a four-point hammering. Um, Tyrone weren't at the races at all. Like, I mean, in the most basic sense, for me, looking at this game, is Donegal knew exactly what Tyrone were bringing to the game. And Tyrone hadn't an idea that Donegal were going to go to the defensive lengths that they were going to. So you had one team prepared for exactly the way the game was going to go. And you had another team coming after 10 minutes going, Jesus, I wasn't expecting this. 
Is that fair? Yeah, Tyrone maybe were expecting a more open uh, game from Donegal, but why they would have thought that is beyond me because that's not how Donegal play. Wasn't expecting Jamie Brennan now to be getting back plugging up holes. Do you know uh, what look, I mean? Only, they went very extreme. He, he did it on occasion, but he, he played wing forward practically. Yeah, I know, but look, he was he was trying to get into the middle third and, and come late onto moves and get ahead of the ball whenever he could. Um, look. Tyrone had just a poor game all round. I mean, they started really well. They got a couple of great scores yeah, at the start. Yeah, and it was Brilliant. all working. Yeah. The diagonal balls were working. But their their skill execution kind of let them down. And their the way Tyrone, it was a strange one. They, they performed like you would expect a team playing in a trial match. You know, in a trial match where every lad is worried about his own place and his own performance. So when you, you go man to man, you just rigidly follow your own man. And even if there's a lad running clean through on goal behind you, it's like, I have my man. And yeah. And that's what they were kind of doing. So when, when Donegal broke out and they were able to get in a one-on-one like Owen Ball and Gallagher coming forward, he just walked by uh, Donnelly. Uh, in Richie mid- Donnelly. Richie Donnelly. Had no pace. Third, couldn't yeah. get back to him. And then Ben McDonnell yeah. comes waltzing out of a cover position to leave 40 yards of space behind him for a fist pass over his head. Madness. Like just really, really bad decision defensively yeah. from a team that looked like they're kind of they obviously have changed from this ultra defensive zone and marking uh, scenario into going more man to man which we've spoken about and said it, it's the way forward for them but their decision making defensively at times was poor I mean so like ben, ben McDonnell Mac- in that position all he, he has had to, to do back off and he, to accept the point maybe exactly yeah. either st- be aware of what's happening around you he had to either stay where he was but ideally he should have dropped back five yards and there was no fist pass through to Jamie Brennan it wasn't on there was no option yeah. all, like Owen Bon Gallagher would have had to kick the ball over the bar and there was because Tyrone defenders were kind of coming back to block up the zone like they just weren't getting there quick enough and when he comes charging forward I mean, he makes it so easy for him. It's just, like, that to me was just beyond belief. And that was the, that was the cushion that Donegal held for the whole game. Yeah, your, number, ah, six, yeah, your number six needs to sniff that like, and, and accept that a point is the best thing that can happen. Well, he, surely he would have seen Jamie Brennan running the other way yeah. in his eye line and not realise he's a yard on my yeah. man. It was silly him, him pushing up out and that. But I often seen Colin, or Colin Cavanagh and he was off at half time. I've explained his role before, yeah. which is madness. I'm not going to get into that again. But he often charges out from that position too. Now, he'll have lads in behind him. But like sometimes they just charge out rather than go, here, this is danger. Let, let them flick over the point. It's not the end yeah. of the world uh, well, maybe Kevin is the other extreme though I think he sort of knows when there's a danger of goal here and will accept the point and it comes out too late sometimes you know but like, uh, certainly McKernan who was failing to track Brennan as well he should be shouting to McDonald. oh that was McGeary Hugh Pat McGeary was it McGeary well, he marked him the whole first Kier half McGeary, yeah, McGeary strange, rather. Yeah. Yeah. sorry well like he should be like roaring out of him like you know where the hell are you going I, yeah, I can't yeah. keep up with this man like just pass him on if you're not going to make it you know and there was just no sense of Danger reminded me of Kerry last year. We kept talking about them, you know, that lack of responsibility. If it's not my man, it's not my problem. And that's the way, yeah. Yeah, like the thing is, if you're playing, like this, this whole thing is just unbelievable. Like, people think that, or seem to have, are of this understanding that if you're not playing a blanket defence, that that means you just have to stand beside your own man and do no defensive work. I mean, that's never been the case. When when we talk about man to man defending, it was all like the whole point of it the, the whole understanding of it is that if you're playing wing back and your man is not involved in the game you get back. back on the cover and you yeah. double up and you do something and if it gets transferred back out you can still press back out again or maybe a wing forward is coming back to help that's and work for the been, team that's always been the but way but you're not running back ahead of the ball to set up in a position where you're, you're facing the opposition coming on to you not all the time sometimes that will happen yeah. but Tyrone f- found themselves in a position where they were all running back after their own man nobody really showing any 
real defensive intent to, to block up a scoring opportunity. Yeah. Now, having said that, when you play against Donegal and you try and press up on them, look, Tyrone did a sort of half-hearted. They, did, they neither pressed up on them nor dropped off. They kind of swanned around in the middle third of the field and then one-on-one the Donegal man had just take someone on, go by him. And they have such pace and then they have runners yeah. off the shoulder and they just set them alive. Like. It's a huge culture shock for them to be standing back in zones, watching the opposition coming at them and getting hands on to actually chasing back towards your own goal. And it's very disorganised then. Do you know what I mean? It's it's hard. That's not easy. And Donegal get a, get a run on you. And they didn't seem to want to work on that counter-attack. It's like they weren't expecting Donegal to hit them too hard on the counter-attack. Yeah. I think they were expecting maybe a kicking contest. And like yeah. they didn't work. They, they, Donegal did what Tyrone do to bloody Roscommon or someone like that in the Super 8s. Yeah. They just broke a pace. And Tyrone didn't have the appetite to track the to track them, or maybe they were worried about their own. You know, it just it was a mess from Tyrone. Yeah, if we're the, being honest, and then even when they got back in there, I mean, Donegal have a lot of quality. So, like Jamie Brennan is able to pick up the ball on the loop. He's able to just accelerate a few yards and clip a ball over the bar. That will happen. Like so, it was it was more that Tyrone just were were making it. They, they just got caught a couple of times. The goal was the big one for me because that was the crucial score in the game. That meant like even no matter how dominant Donegal were they always had that cushion and it meant that they were able to play a certain way and soak up the pressure and really hit on the counter-attack because Tyrone were always that bit off them just Tyrone had a, had a bad bad day they got a lot of handy scores from out under the stand on that side didn't they they were just getting easy Langan got one out there uh, McHugh got one out there Brennan clipped in out there not a glove being laid on them like and it wasn't unbelievable moves I, I accept that there was some ca- good counter-attack moves but there was also a few moves where like there wasn't a point on and suddenly Donegal are just clipping over an easy yeah. point it was very un Tyrone like Donegal in front of them were, were honest as well like you know there was a bit of urgency about them every yeah. time they had the ball and like they were sort of working through their, their patterns a lot more sort of relentlessly than Tyrone were they went down one wing if it didn't work they came back they had a man coming on the loop they tried a different angle they went down the other wing you know so they, they were trying things with a bit of purpose and I think Tyrone got their matchups wrong as well. Like that, that, that example that you use about having Richie Donnelly tracking Owen Van Gallagher how, how does that how does that sort of I come think, about? No, Tomas O'Shea showed that last yeah. night. That was like everybody disorganised. Let's pick up someone for the kick but out. Yes, and I don't know if, if that's that the best have example where you should be so easily picking people up because it's a kick out. The game's starting again. And even if you're going man for man and you want to play with an orthodox, a more orthodox formation, you should still have a more defensive structure where it's it's McGeary is picking up Ombang Yelher in defence wherever he's playing an attack. Yeah. So, you know, there should be some sort of defensive strategy as well. But yeah, no, I agree. It but seem to it help. was a little bit disorganised. But I do agree with Keane's point, especially in the second half. What were Tyrone doing? Because the clip with Tierney McCann that we're talking about, this was Tyrone pressing up high, ravenous, chasing impacts, let's go for this game. And then, like, four or five minutes later, you see them and they're not doing that. And then they're sitting back. And it's like, hang on a minute. I, I just, it was all over the place. And, like, even at the start, like you said, with the Cottle McShane, like, the. Carl McShane scored a point from a great diagonal Richie uh, Donnelly ball. Matty Donnelly got another point off a layoff from him from a lovely ball by Richie. They used, Don- they used McShane, McShane, McShane about three times. Really, really outstanding good. in yeah. the first 10 minutes and you're thinking, geez, Tyrone are on it. Well, then the goal went in and then they stopped, they stopped getting any sort of foothold in around the middle third so they couldn't give in good ball and Donegal McFadden had been back there from the start and it wasn't working too well it's not like Tyrone weren't expecting McFadden to play that role like Chrissy McCaig played it against um, against Derry like Tyrone knew Donegal were going to have a sweeper that wasn't a problem but what they weren't expecting probably was the one or two other covering players 
which messed up that after the first initial success with it it messed up that flat diagonal ball that they love you know the one across him where McShane's peeling that that went that then, they were, gone, yeah. then, then they were in trouble with that gone I took a picture during the game at one stage. Neil McGee was marking McShane about three yards from the front. McFadden was about four yards from the front on the other side. And Sean Patton had pushed out on yeah, Sean Patton had pushed yeah. out on McShane. So where's McShane going in that scenario? And then they tried one long ball to McShane. It dropped onto McFadden's head. Remember, McShane came running from behind to challenge it. Because the one ball that they could potentially have worked was the big long ball. Like, I mean, Galway, it worked against Galway. I know there was offensive marks then. But they didn't give anything that McShane could actually work with as a good high ball. Do you get me? Because like, he's been marked from the front by both these lads. Yeah, the, the, only, the only chance he had was uh, to float one up on top where he could come from behind and just break it down to a runner coming. Did he, he didn't Donovan. get any of that good ones. Yeah, there, there had only, two half-hearted long ones, but he had to run out to them at, at pace and he was barely making them at the yeah. pitch of them, you know. So they didn't... They just gave up on it then, pretty much. Do you know, it was yeah, maybe... Well, look, the biggest thing really was uh, that uh, Donegal were able to secure possession from uh, practically all their own kickouts. Won everyone bar one. Yeah, like and that... That, that's a huge factor in the game because Donegal then are able to control the entire tempo of the game. They can play the game on their terms. Um, Murphy was fantastic in that, just yeah. popping into space. Patton's kickouts were really, really good. Um, Kieran Thompson, when he came on, ca- caught a couple of great ones. But it was more to do with just good movement from them because in the second half, Tyrone did make it more difficult for them to win their own kickout. In the first half, Patton was able to just put the ball down and tap it to somebody uncontested. Whereas in the second half, he needed strong runners. And Murphy showed incre- like brilliant leadership again, as as we know he's capable of doing. But um, just, you know, when the game was there to, and it needed it to be done, Murphy was the one that was kind of doing it and just giving them that platform to move forward, which meant Tyrone could had an inability to keep Donegal pressed into their own 45 and into their own half so that made it very difficult for Tyrone It did but like I mean geez, his kickouts though when you see him behind the goals it's fairly basic tactics stay inside and break wide to yeah. the wing like how is Tyrone falling for that in this day and age That's, that was Kieran Whelan and Shane Ryan with Stephen Cluxton back in 2005 yeah. that's what you're dealing with so you're saying to Power Clancy Noel Garvin stand wing side of them they're breaking to the wing. This is a bloody clearly obvious yeah. thing to do. Then Cluxton obviously mixed it up so much that when teams copped onto that, then you're running short. So you're un- in, if you're standing outside of him, he'll give it into your chest and you're in a bit of trouble. But all Cluxton did. So Patton basically took a Stephen Cluxton playbook from 2005 yeah. to 2006. And, and he didn't have to do anything. Like he's kicking his grape, but he didn't have to drill them. or even No, he just like no. chipped them out. He was getting them into that area. Yeah. Now Patton, fair play to him. Like yeah. I mean, he has to put them in that area. But like I mean, this is not difficult. It shouldn't be difficult to be to be defending that. And look, even even when there was no option for that, you know, where the Donegal players weren't able to give him an easy out ball, he just hung one up there. And Kieran Thompson caught two great Had marks a great one, yeah. in a crowd. So I mean, that's where uh, you know that's where Tyrone needed to do better because even if they were to win two or three of the Donegal kickouts in the second half. It gives them it gives them some platform in the game. Like Murphy caught a couple, Thompson caught a couple. That they they were contested kickouts that you would expect Tyrone should have at least made that ball go to the ground on a break. Yeah, yeah, and they didn't do it. So that was it. It was McFadden's late point. Remember, Donegal were playing keep ball, and that that was the contrast to them hunting in packs and McCann and all these, and they three or four of them tearing down after one fella. And then all of a sudden Donegal were able to play keep ball from play and Tyrone are kind of allowing them the extra man. It was like, what are you, are you 
pressing up in this second half or are you dropping off? Or I, I, I do think Mickey Hart, when it comes down to it, he has a game plan and they've only got the one because they, yeah. they couldn't adapt in that game. And Dublin would have adapted in that game. They would have adapted. Jason Sherlock would have ran on, kick passes and on, let's move on to, to a plan B or the running game or whatever the plan B is. That just did, doesn't happen with Tyrone. They continue on making the same mistakes. Do you, do you believe that a team who has a bad warm-up doesn't play well? Do you, or do you hate that thing, you know, when the manager's talking? I saw a video, though, beforehand. Yeah, I used to hate it, but I saw a video of Tyrone warming up. And you know that 3v3 where you just have to get the ball over the line? And then once you get it over the line, then you're defending. You know, and you have to come back into defence. But Tyrone kept making a balls of this warm up, and it looked really bad. You know, and it seemed like they brought that sort of slackness into the the match as well. Yeah, but yeah. I think most importantly, Mickey Hart didn't have any versatility. They didn't have any plan B, and I think they got some matchups wrong. And yeah, they didn't adapt in any way to what was happening. That's the thing. No, I do take your point on the warm up. Maybe not ball not going to hand, but like obviously you can tell in a warm up where we're not up for this, lads. You'd often flag yeah. that up. You can well, tell. Like, uh, I think when with the way that Donegal were playing with dropping all their men back, Tyrone had to mirror that. It was foolish by Tyrone. Like, Unfortunately, but, that's the way it would. And we were expecting a classic, but Tyrone had to realise that very quickly. Yeah. This, this, Donegal have brought something we weren't expecting. Let's go back to 2014 exactly. type games. Well, like if like, you I think mean, about it, McKernan, say, just as an example, McKernan playing cornerback or wingback, wherever he ended up playing, he then starts moving forward with Tyrone in possession. Tyrone lose possession and he's all of a sudden chasing back after a Donegal yeah. man where he doesn't need to be pressing up the field like Tyrone when you're playing against a team like that sometimes you have to play cagey so you don't get caught on the counter when you're playing against Donegal with the pace and running power they have that means you do need to have a number of cover players you can't just have one guy sitting there you need to have a number they don't have to be all the way back in your own defence no but they're on the outside but they're on the outside of that yeah. screen so that they're in a position whereby if this breaks down I can cover. Now, Tyrone did, you know, foul very quickly, as did Donegal any time they lost possession on the counter, but then they just didn't really seem to understand or know what shape they were trying to get no, back into. because when you're going man for man, like, Tyrone just looked confused. Yeah, they, they were confused. They really, really they should have just dropped back into zones again. They had gone. to, because it is confusing. Like, if you're, if you're trying to mark, if you're given a man-marking job in Jamie Brennan, and every time your team gets the ball, he just runs back into his own half-back line, how do you mark him? Like, do you just run up with him and then block up your own forward line and as well? And give him 80 yards run on you and the yeah, way back and give, then. And give him, uh, yeah, and, and decide you're going to go take a 100 metre sprint race with Jamie Brennan back. <laughs> I mean, that's stupidity. Like, yeah, that's not is. good play. Because what you say is, well, Jamie Brennan can't hurt me out there. So he's my man, my responsibility. But he can't hurt me out there. So if he's back in that position, I don't need to be right up on top of him. I can, I can, I can keep an eye on him. I can stay in this, in this position where I give myself a couple of yards on him. And when he starts coming up towards the scoring zone then I can step out of him and press on him hard or put him under pressure at least. So the, Tyrone just got that wrong either on the pitch or, to be honest with you, I think it was more on the pitch they got it wrong than, than say, on the training field or the directive before the game because these guys are experienced players now. They should know how to play a game of football. Yeah. They, should, they, they, they would understand what to do and what not to do. So I think that in, in a game when it happens in that manner, there's so many moving parts that it's very hard for a manager. There's no time out. The management can't come out and 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 speak about this on the spot. So I 
I I'm not given I'm not given the throne management a free pass entirely, but I'm not laying all the blame on their door either because I don't think that would be fair. Yeah, because players should be able to adapt as well. Like, like, I mean, like the, the Donegal are sorry, the throne management can't take responsibility for Ben McDonald running himself out of position for for them to concede the goal, the crucial score in the game. How can they take responsibility for that? That's him on the pitch making a really really bad decision. You know, in a, in a defensive position that I would say is basic from from under twelves or under fourteens, uh, players that play in the defence know that they, they they have these decisions to make all the time in every game. And good defenders make good decisions. Like if you're playing at inter county level and you're still making that wrong decision, then you shouldn't be playing at inter county level, in my opinion. Runa McNamee giving the ball to Ryan McHugh and then Peter Hurd getting a black card because of it. You know, just a hand pass. Giving the ball away, like just these things that you can't really legislate yeah, for yeah. once they go in. Hart was a loss, but it wouldn't. Hart was a loss, but it wouldn't have. It wouldn't have changed the game. It wouldn't have changed the game. But it it it's basically one team was prepared for how the game was going to go, and I had to laugh at Brawley after the game. Even though I only listened, it just let the TV run on. But I listened to I listened to a little bit at the start, and they were debating with Michael Murphy, who's a great player, and I turned that off. <laughs> and then at half time, there was a really awkward joke at the start, so I turned that off. And then after the, after the game, uh, they were eulogising about how brilliant Donegal were when Donegal played the type of football, pretty much played the Tyrone tactics that they used to, that yeah. probably used to lynch. Yeah. Like there's no consistency to that yeah. analysis at all. It's actually shocking that Donegal were brilliant by playing a system that Tyrone are terrible. You know what I mean? That's outdated. Like, I mean, when you think about it, it just makes no sense. Did you miss the Cora Finn chat then? We no. The whole, oh, whole I didn't thing about Cora Finn. Really? That was the whole preview. Yeah. I forgot. And, and Dublin. Friend. And yeah. Dublin. <laughs> yeah. What Dublin would have done in this situation. But anyways, listen, we'll come back with performance of the weekend. Conan Doherty was a fantastic analyst. And I mean, I really heed what he would say in your programme. I think Tyrone are going to win I'm going to go with them I, as much as I I predicted Dublin to win the All-Ireland at the start of the year I just think Tyrone are going too well they're unaffected by the other team too well set up I think they've been preparing for Dublin for two years they're ready for them I'm, I'm going to go with them yeah. OK Conan Paddy Power performance of the weekend Keynes had to leave us um, but we got him for an hour air anyway so we, we won't be too hard on him I think he sensed we were going to talk about Derry Leash and got the <laughs> hell out of there <laughs> So first nomination for performance of the weekend is Michael Murphy um, I mentioned already they were debating which was the most ridiculous debate I was surprised that Colin O'Rourke to even go down a nonsense road of saying that he wasn't one of the best players of the last 10 years just nonsense not even an argument Michael Murphy is a phenomenal player and then pointing out games he wasn't brilliant in this is the era of, of defensive football you give me any player in that era that's been good in every game yeah. like it's just impossible it's not, you're not comparing like comparing remember Brawley comparing to Gooch with Peter Canavan so the Gooch has two sweepers stationed in front of him and Peter Canavan pretty much for most of his career had never had a sweeper how can you compare both yeah. those players it's madness but anyways and he, did, he did compare him to a Dublin player I think it was James McCarthy or something and it's like look at the again the players that he's playing with and Murphy sometimes is having to do things on his own especially with Rory Gallagher's system as well yeah. it was all on Murphy yeah. you know, he and Murphy's a natural 14 only he can't play 14 now because two sweepers stand in front of him so he's playing as a as a midfielder yeah. which is not his best position and he's doing a job out there and he's yeah. leading the team it's not you're not comparing like with like if Murphy played in the 1990s he'd be a number 14 and he'd be scoring 1-8 from play every 
game. Yeah, yeah. And then he'd be your leader and your bloody great player or whatever you want him to be. He was uh, Brawley said he was great in the 2012 final and the work was like, how long ago was that? And then he said he was shit in the 2014 final and didn't care about how long, how long ago that was. Like you know, so right. That was nonsense. Just silly, yeah, yeah, silly stuff. But anyways, Eamon McGee has the best tweet about Michael Murphy. He says one of the most important men in Donegal GA history is the person who stationed Michael Murphy's dad in a Donegal <laughs> barracks all them years ago. His father's from Mayo. Yeah, another bloody stick to beat Mayo with. Imagine yeah. what they could have had. It's terrible, yeah. isn't it? There's the forward that they're looking for. Yeah, and you could play Aidan O'Shea's out the field then. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so Michael Murphy, not much more to add about him. He's a phenomenal player. I remember doing a a charity run, a charity cycle before, and I was with Tony McEntee and John McEntee, and I was with Stephen McDonald as well. This was before Stevie did the show. And I remember the McEntees just going that if there was one player in Ulster that you would take in the morning, it's Michael Murphy, like a phenomenal just player that can do so many jobs yeah. for you and is just an absolute like he genuinely he's a number 14 yeah. and remember when he came on the scene against Cork all those years ago he was only about 18 and he scored like 6 points from playing Croke Park because Cork obviously wouldn't play a sweeper this is, a, this is what you're dealing with like I mean he plays full forward against Tyrone in an Ulster final and there's two Justin McMahon yeah. and Colin Cavanagh standing in front of him while somebody else marks him mm. stop this nonsense of care, comparing that yeah. to another era anyways Darren McFeed he was at it again um, scored four from play did everything that was needed of him again you see I, I feel myself bullshitting here now again because I didn't watch this <laughs> match so I have to completely backtrack and, but like I mean his points from play which we can comment on like he got a hooked point um, down into the I'm not sure. I think that's the far, not the town goals. Not the goals Sean Cavanagh scored a screamer in in that <laughs> Ulster final, the other one. Um, I don't know which which is called. But it was one of these hooked points. You know, that's impossible. You almost, in Hurling, you say he scored off the back foot. So you can't. Adam Tyrrell was able to do them in Croke Park yesterday. So you're throwing it out away from the man and actually kicking it at yeah. it. It's like you're hooking it, but they're able to do it from such a distance out. It's a phenomenal technique. That I wouldn't even try to do. Yeah, well, I wouldn't. Do you know what even, I'm talking about? I wouldn't even think about trying to do it. Like, yeah, you know, um, yeah, and like you mentioned this last week, you're, it wins such dirty ball. Like again, we only saw the highlights, but the ball he wins is tough ball. It's dirty. It, you know, it's it's one of those ones where you're a player. You're like, well, will I play it or not? But he wants it. Oh yeah, he wins it, and then because he's winning it so tight then he, he seemed to be able to roll and get a bit of space for himself he's got great pace I, like I always knew about his pace and I always knew that like he was a very good player but I didn't realise he was as accurate as he is like yeah. he did, he's that top, top quality level of control that I wasn't I wasn't aware of and him him stepping up to that very elite level is a huge reason like we knew they needed that inside yeah. we always said that they didn't have that inside and now they have that inside and like I mean having so many other good players around the field they needed that spark that magic in there yeah. and he's given them that magic you know well, Keane Mackey still got the point of the day though you see that oh he did yeah, <laughs> yeah. he's been shouldered about 10 times yeah. cutting that was incredible place. it almost reminds you of without bringing Hurling into it again Peter um, Duggan's incredible point against Galloway remember yeah. where he kept it on the hurl but yeah. he was getting hit from all Flicked angles over someone's head as well yeah yeah, outstanding. Yeah, in fairness, he did. But we all know how good Mackey is. Jamie Brennan got one three. Could have been two five in the first half alone. He was unmarkable in that half. His explosive pace off the mark is just impossible to mark. He's a brilliant, brilliant player. I really, really like Jamie Brennan because he's actually very accurate as well and has an eye for goal. He's top, top quality. Yeah, yeah there was. Um, it seemed like one of those games where he had a really good league, and then was this, this was a championship match that we were waiting for him to do because Patrick McBrady was sort of. You know, 
overshadowing him a little bit and rightly so but um that was that, that was a big game for him he was brilliant and it just to take on that effort off the post as well like it was a good effort you know and just hit the post so unlucky could have been too oh that two, was a rocket yeah and that was a rocket off his left yeah and that could be 2-2 two, you know? two in the space of 6 minutes or yeah. something like that yeah outstanding and it was Kieran McGeary marking him the whole way through the first half and couldn't lay a glove on him and was left on him which was a not a very good thing you you would imagine from the Tyrone management team Karma Costello um, two frees 2.45 9 so he got 5 from play Paul Mannion got 7 from play Karma Costello wears 11 but he's playing on the full forward line pretty much with, with, uh, with Mannion most of the time an interesting one about with Mannion is that the Dublin forwards are tripping up over themselves to be unselfish because I'd say they're just terrified they're afraid that Jim would see them as not playing for the team sometimes I think there's points on and they're just taking that one hand pass too, mu- too much when it's like really top level forwards that's on for you mate kick that over and they, they throw, it, throw it around once too often Paul Mannion doesn't when a shot's on, his confidence is so high now that he's not throwing it around. He's taken little shots that might be a little bit outside the percentage shots Dublin usually yeah. go for. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I mean, he does. And he his confidence is at an all-time high. Seven from play, unmarkable with that pace. And he's nearly all left-footed and it doesn't matter. He's, it's, Mickey <laughs> yeah. Lin, it's Mickey Linden. Yeah. Do, do you think, yes, do you think he's taking that upon himself? Because remember Kill McCulloch Crooks and he was lighting it up and we were saying, this is what we're missing, Jim Gavin won't let him do this. Yeah. Or do you think that Gavin's freeing him up a little bit more? It's hard or, to know. I, I don't know. Maybe he wants him to take that next level. He's definitely well capable of it. Then, then you have to qualify this by saying he's playing in a team that won by 15 points. Yeah. You know, so it's hard. you have to qualify that and Karma Costello more difficult kind of games are going to come up like there's no one doubting that he's not a very top level player but still like I mean when you think about it it's easy for Dublin forwards they're getting so much supply of the ball like you know it's just it's just too easy for them and they're all so good they're all so good ah Dublin seriously now Dublin in the flesh are just they're phenomenal I'm look without getting all crazy about it you'll be doing very, very well to stop Dublin do this five in a row. I, I don't know another team that's going to stop them. Like, it, it, they're, 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 look, look at them. Look what they have up front. And then you have James McCarthy, Jack McCaffrey and Brian Fenton coming late on to moves. They're unmarkable, these yeah. lads. The pace, the power of them. They're aggressive. They press you up the field. All the good things. Plus, when you're slow with your build-up. They're not afraid to have 13, 14 men behind the ball. Yeah. They mix up everything that's good about Gaelic football with that ugly side that we don't really like either, that really defensive side. They're almost... It's organised chaos. It's organised <laughs> yeah. chaos. And the, like the big difference, the RMA game, they were two points down. Uh, Jamie Clark, who was playing really well, had a um, chance to slip it to somebody. I think it was a, a defender. who can't remember who it was going through. And you could see he had a look and thought, mm, this might not go in if I pop it to him. So he popped it over, one point game. But there was a goal on. But in Dublin, no matter who you pop it to, it's not going to be a player that you don't want to play the ball to who can't put it oh, over. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, so Clark sort of calculating there, I might just better to put this over. Whereas in Dublin, you just throw it on to the blue shirt because they'll do the business. Like, yeah. You know, and that's that's the big difference. Yeah, no, they're, they're a phenomenal, phenomenal team. There's no doubt about that. When you take, there's no weak link with them. There's actually nothing. You can say potentially the full back line, but you had Howard coming back sweeping yesterday and he, remember, he went back sweeping against Leash when Kingston and O'Carroll were giving him trouble last year and he's a big physical player so he's covering it from the front so the lads the lads uh, in the full back line then will mark from behind 
and you're giving them that luxury then so that ball over the top or the diagonal ball has gone Scully was back sweeping there are two things I hadn't seen well I saw Howard sweeping before I'd never seen Scully back and you wonder I don't know you you always remember the Dublin half back line they'd always communicate and take turns and, and juggle it around because the opposition would be using defensive half forward lines so you could see Cooper sweeping you could see McCarthy sweeping you could like Keane O'Sullivan the last few years has moved on from that role he's playing full back marking but like I mean I hadn't seen Scully back sweeping full time standing there deciding star was he taking a rest I don't know Howard was back full time standing there we'd seen that last year they just keep kind of changing things up a little bit like I mean they're, they're phenomenal they're phenomenal I can't see them beaten I genuinely can't see them beaten um, and potentially they might have to lose twice because they could lose a Super 8 game get the kick uh, up the arse they want you know they, you, they might have to lose twice the only the yeah. only time they'll get caught losing once is a semi-final and a final and in those two big pressure games I don't know I just can't see it Adam Tyrrell was outstanding um, for Kildare another man with a, an absolute peach of a left foot uh, able to able to score those hook scores that Darren McVitie um, did and like you're at another level of forwards when you're able to throw the ball back away from the man and hook it around from distance uh, look I don't even think those type of scores were around in my day like I mean I don't know Ben McCormick was brilliant right throughout um, could have scored 2-5 on the day like I mean that's you know realistically should have scored one of the two goal chances would have had him at 1-3 and another wide as well um, destroyed Michael Fitzsimons right throughout took him around the outside exciting strong he's someone that they can definitely work around get Daniel Flynn back get Paul Cribben back Daniel Flynn and Paul Cribben are two of the would walk onto any team in the country I strongly believe that Dublin maybe not any other any other county Daniel Flynn and Paul Cribben are getting on that's the level that they were missing in the forwards Ben McCormick wasn't there last year. I genuinely think Kildare, a full time, full strength Kildare team would beat a full strength me team by seven, eight, nine points. That's I think Kildare by far on their own if they got everyone back. Um, Dublin's only um, threat going forward, and it's not that big. It's not that big uh, of a threat. The spread is the biggest threat, will it? <laughs> yeah, it's Dublin versus the spread for the Leinster. Um, James Conlon was brilliant against Leash. Jeez, he's only a little slip of a lad, yeah. though. He's tiny. He's like a minor. You'd actually worry for him going up against John Small, who'll just gobble him up and yeah. just like that, you know. But he scored five from play on his debut for the seniors in Croke Park, which really deserves recognition. And there were snipery, snipey little. Uh, um, points he got all a different array of points was able to take Atroyd Mark and Atroyd who'd been out injured a lot and was very rusty and Leash didn't make that change either I thought they put Gareth Dillon on him at one point and then Gareth Dillon was back on Killian O'Sullivan I would have swapped those two players um, given Atroyd a break off and he roasted him the whole way through he got four from playing the first half um, so he deserves a shout um, Jamie Clark then um, he deserves a shout he, fl- he probably underperformed the first day he got seven the next day four from play so I was delighted to see him play really well and him and Rian O'Neill played well and you would have thought if that happened Armagh had a great chance <laughs> yeah. but Cavan were just too good for him obviously on the day Yeah, Cavan won the shootout like you know where it was yeah. sort of tight 20, 23 points yeah. Like when we thought, like the, the reason Cavan, well, I thought I predicted Cavan in the first game because I thought they'd shut down Clark and Ryan O'Neill and slog it out. But then when they let Clark, uh, Clark and O'Neill off the leash, they were able to score more the other side. Yeah, exactly. Right. Performance of the weekend <coughs> is. Geez, I'm, I'm actually. Um, I'm not sure whether to give it to Jamie Brennan or Ben McCormack. Um, 
I've edging towards Ben McCormick because he played so well in a team that lost by 15 points but Jamie Brennan probably scoring 1-3 um, was the difference between the two teams he was absolutely outstanding so we'll go Jamie Brennan unlucky to Ben McCormick um, but there you go only one man can win Paddy Power performance of the weekend right listen that's always time for we'll be back on Thursday night we're in Nancy's in Roscommon Town for a live show so we will talk to you then good luck Yet. It took me a long time to get here. Both players have, have spoken with each other and, uh, and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back their county jerseys. That these fellas will get such a f-ing shell shock next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their f-ing houses for 10 years. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. For exclusive content from their GA ambassadors and other high-profile contributors, check out news.paddypower.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.